Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tea to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA, and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, once again, and welcome to the Women of Golf. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you this Tuesday morning? You know what? It's sunny, but it's a little chilly in Buffalo. Yesterday, there was a frost delay at the PGA. Wow. <laughs> Still getting that cold weather. I don't I don't understand. I don't know how you do it. I couldn't handle that anymore up in that neck of the woods. Um, I don't know how you and Alan uh, pare down for, for cold days, and I think you it's time to move south. What do you think? Uh, not yet, not yet. No, no. <laughs> it is a little messy. I mean, yeah, it is. But no, Buffalo is a beautiful area. All right, we got a great show for you this morning. I'm just teasing you. Uh, we're going to be joined here momentarily by our very special guest this morning, uh, Kenzie Wright. She's a LPJ Epson Tour player. And then a little bit later on, we're going to jump into the No BS Zone and do the segment that we were supposed to do last week. Um, and that's the seven things to look for in a golf school. So for those of you that are looking to uh, maybe up your game a little bit and you want to attend a golf school, we've got a few tips that you might want to consider uh, in your selection process. So um, without further ado, let's uh, introduce our special guest, Cindy, and then we'll bring her on. Uh, Kenzie is currently a professional golfer, as I mentioned, on the Epson Tour, uh, graduated in 2021 with a Master's in Sports Management from the University of Alabama. Uh, She turned professional right after school and won her first event as a professional at the Texas Women's Open. Uh, her greatest amateur accomplishment was having the opportunity to play in the 2021 Augusta National Women's Amateur event. Uh, she now looks to make meaningful connections and help support businesses in any way she can, well, uh, all while living out her dream. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest, Kenzie Wright. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> that was quite the intro. Thank you. <laughs> Nothing You're welcome. That's right. That, that's why we're number one. Um, so, Cindy, do you want to go first? You go first. Okay. So I want to ask you um, this question here, and it's kind of a two-parter, I guess. When you evaluate your game, what do you think are your strengths and what do you think are your weaknesses? That is a great question because I was just going over this with my with my coach the other day just to try to improve on everything. But I would say my strengths overall are I'm pretty 
pretty accurate with my driver. I'm not the longest hitter, but I can usually um, count on it to, to not put me in any trouble. And um, it's it's kind of a rare day if I if I if I miss a lot of fairways. And then um, I definitely my short game is is my biggest strength. So those two combined, I feel like, are my biggest strengths. And then probably my weakness is a little bit of uh, my irons. I've been trying to work on those. It's like you know. If, if I miss the green, I'm barely off, but obviously, you know, professional golf, you can't really afford to, to miss a lot of greens and be far away from the pin. So, um, you know, right. to win tournaments, you got to make birdies. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's definitely something I've been trying to work on and it's, it's slowly getting there <laughs> slowly, but surely. So your overall accuracy is really what you're trying to get to, right? Is what, if I understand you correctly. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're, you raise a great point because, um, you know, you have to, I mean, obviously you're not going to hit every green every time, but your percentage has to be high as a professional in order to give yourself those birdie opportunities. So you're exactly right. You're right on the, on the, uh, uh, right on the mark with, uh, with your analogy. So let me ask you another question, sort of, uh, similar along this lines. Um, Everybody, and I don't care what level of player you are, everybody has good rounds and bad rounds. What do you say to yourself during the bad rounds to keep you lifted up? And when things are really going well, how do you keep that nervous energy from getting too much that your adrenaline's up and you're, you understand where I'm going with that, is if your adrenaline's really yeah. ramping high, it's hard to sometimes control those distances. So what do you say to yourself? What's the conversation you have with yourself when you're down? And what do you do to sort of tap it down, if at all, when things get going too much um, and you're worried about getting that uh, nervous energy kicked up too high? Yeah, I mean, I think they, those things kind of go hand in hand. You know, I, I, um, I, we, we, our last event was in Kansas, and I had a pretty good first round and put myself in a good position. And the second day, I kind of felt a little bit more nervous and um, you know, just was like, oh, wow, you know, I kind of have a chance to have a good finish here. And then yeah, obviously the more you kind of start thinking about those things, it's just not, it doesn't really end well typically. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I tried to just kind of keep myself in the moment. And I, my mom was actually caddying for me. So she, she does a great job of just kind of keeping me loose and, and laughing. And um, I've learned that's kind of my best way of, of staying loose and, and not, you know, thinking too far ahead or starting to think about results or anything like that and just – laughing and and talking and 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 yeah just just staying loose like i said you know and then it kind of the same exact thing for for when it is going really well you know it's you're trying to you don't want to start thinking like oh wow i'm playing great like let's keep this going because sometimes that doesn't that doesn't end well either so um so yeah kind of the same thing you you know you want to keep going keep going with what you're doing you know just just stay loose and, and having fun. And, and that's what I've learned. You know, some, some girls are different. Some girls can be, you know, super serious and, and that works great for them. But I've learned, you know, just for myself, I gotta, I gotta be having fun on the golf course. Cause otherwise it just doesn't, just doesn't end well. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I think that's some great advice. Um, we've had a number of young ladies come on the program over the years that said the exact same thing when, when they feel they're not having fun. Um, it's, it's no longer an enjoyable experience. So you've always got to kind of keep those, um, you know, fun juices going, if it will, um, to, to keep yourself motivated and, and things like that. So a great answer. I like what, uh, what you had to say. Cindy, go ahead. Tell me how you have fun. What do you do to keep yourself in the right frame of mind? 
That's a great question too. I <laughs> a lot of jokes, <laughs> a lot of jokes. Um, my uh, my I actually had my boyfriend caddying for me a little bit last summer, and this sounds really really dumb, but we would start listing things. So we would like just randomly, like if I would have a bogey or something, he'd be like, okay we're going to have a contest and we're going to see how many types of bread we can name. Like, like it's just, it's so dumb, but it's just, it's a great way to just, because then your, your mind is just thinking of anything but golf. You're thinking of what type of bread you can think of next, you know, but, um, but it's, like I said, it sounds very dumb, but that, you know, it works because you're, instead of, you know, being mad at yourself or being mad at the course or whatever, stupid shot, whatever it is, it's, um, I kind of changed, was able to change my mindset into, okay, this, it's just golf like you know let's, let's think of other things and let's just have fun because it is a game at the end of the day so it sounds very dumb but that's that's what we did <laughs> that's a great idea <laughs> mm-hmm, i agree yeah <laughs> that's the so best what, that's the best you, answer best answer cindy i think yeah. i've ever heard yeah exactly exactly and on the other hand what do you do for fun when you're not on the golf course well, I love to, I mean, I, I'm I'm a big, like, Netflix person, and I love watching movies and just hanging out with my friends. I, I like, this, the past couple weeks I've been trying to kind of push myself to go into more of the activities that they have for us during the week and um, just trying to meet as many people as I can and, and yeah, just, just spending time with my friends. We went to Zion a few weeks ago, so that was fun and just just doing whatever just to just to kind of not think about golf and and just enjoy life and have fun so anything <laughs> good for you good for you Dad? so kenzie let me ask you um when you think back to earlier days and i'm talking way 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 back um what was the deciding factor uh or what was i guess the circumstances in which you decided okay i really like this game um i have fun playing it and i want to do this as a profession what was that defining moment yeah i think so i i pretty much tried every sport growing up and i just i was either i wasn't very good at it or i didn't like to run and so whenever I was really little, I was like, okay, this is a sport that I can do. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty good at, and I don't have to run, so I'm, I'm sold. But um, <laughs> just kind of going through, <laughs> going through, because I started when I was eight, so I started, like, really young. And um, kind of honestly, the moment that I went to, I, I just started at a little junior clinic at the course that we live by, and and just kind of the, the moment I started playing, I was like, okay, you know, I, I want to play tournaments because I heard about those, and, I mean, it was kind of hooked on the competition part and then working through, you know, high school golf and then um, my, you know, through high school golf, my goal was to get a scholarship and play college golf. And then I, I, I just kind of always knew what I wanted to do. I don't, I, you know, I, I wish there was like a defining moment, I would say, but I, I just kind of always knew like, oh yeah, like I'm going to do this and, and then I'm going to like play as a professional and I'm going to play high school golf and then college golf and then, you know, just keep going from there. It was never really a question of like, oh, if I'm, am I going to stop or, you know, am, am I going to, you know, ever not play? It was kind of like, oh yeah, this is, this is what I'm doing because I love it and, and it's fun and, and it's really rewarding. It's frustrating, but it's really rewarding. So, um, so yeah, I, I kind of wish I had a defining moment, but I think it was more of just something that I, I knew that I was just gonna just gonna do. 
Good answer. I like that. Um, if golf wasn't in your wheelhouse, if, if professional golf was not an option, what would be something that you would be equally passionate about? You know, so, so I always said that if I didn't play professional golf, I would love to be a coach, um, probably more like on the college level. Um, I, I don't think I could be a swing instructor, to be completely honest. I, I gave one lesson to my boyfriend's cousin, and he hit me in the head. And so I was like, okay, I can't do this. <laughs> but um, but uh, I think um, I, I would love to be a college coach and just and, and just something in golf. I mean, I would just love to stay in the sport. And But I, I think coaching is definitely something that I would, I would be really passionate about and and just would, would love to do. So Very good. Um well, I know that you played for the University of Alabama on their uh, golf team. Um, tell us a little bit about that experience. Obviously, um, everybody's familiar with their football program, and uh, uh, so Roll Tide for you uh, Alabama fans out there. <laughs> Roll Tide. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm using a lot of restraint right now because I'm an Auburn fan. So, but um, oh, I'm, I'm, no. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, no, we're, we're, lo- we're losing every season, so by default, I'm an Alabama fan in general. But, but anyways, so tell us a little bit about your experience on uh, on the team. Uh, what did you? What were your takeaways? What did you learn on the team? I'm, I know it's a very good program. I'm very familiar with Alabama. So um, tell me a little bit about what your takeaways were from your experience with uh, with Alabama. Yeah, I, I had a very interesting experience just my first year. Um, so I actually transferred in um, my after my sophomore year from, from Southern Methodist in Dallas, which is pretty close to home for me. But um, so I transferred to Alabama my, my starting my junior year. And right after right after I transferred, we played our first two tournaments with, um, I'm, I don't know if you all know, uh, I'm sure you do, but Kristen Gilman and Lauren Stevenson were on our team. And, like, obviously, they're amazing players. And so we we played great our first two tournaments. We won our first two tournaments. And then I think we set an NCAA record at our second one. So that was, you know, kind of a hot start. And I was like, okay, wow, this is fun. You know, we're winning all the time. This is great. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then they actually went to Q school, and they both got LPGA status. And so they were like, yeah, we're, we're going to do this. And we're like, yeah, absolutely. You need to do that because, you know, you just you've got to take the opportunity. And then it was a little bit of a like a, a, a letdown almost after that. We we're just like, oh my gosh, we we're so good, and it was it was just yeah, it's, it's hard to replace two people like that, two players like that. But um, so that was kind of a, a wild ride, just going from you know winning the first two tournaments, and then we're like, okay, this, that's okay, like we, we're we're still great, we're still great. But um, I just playing with them was so you know just I, I learned a lot from them because they they did so much just in high school golf and then obviously college golf and then now professionally that it's just fun to learn from people like that. And, you know, especially Kristen, I mean, she's a two-time AM winner and to be able to spend time with her and, and I'm still, you know, still friends with her today. Like we travel together and, and um, just, it's, it's so interesting, you know, just hearing what, you know, what she does and how she practices and stuff. It's like this, that's just one of the types of people that you want to be around and, and learn from because she's been through a lot and, and won a lot. So, um, so just being in that environment of, you know, being around people that are so good. And then obviously our coaches, you know, them through all of that. So to hear their perspective on what helped them and what didn't work for them. And, um, you know, Nick, obviously, you know, they won, they won a national championship and, you know, had all these girls that are on LPGA now on their teams. And it's just a great environment to, 
for for my goals of you know being on the LPGA and 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 being there for a long time. It, it's a great environment to be in to learn from and and know what they did to get there. So it it was it was a great opportunity and great experience. So yeah, and it's always great to have you know some somebody there that you can draw that that you know a little bit of strength from as well, especially that's doing extremely well as part of your program and get you off to a good store like that. It's obviously um, something that uh, you're going to, and you still obviously hear, you know, a couple of years later, you're looking back very fondly in that memory. Um, I also mentioned in the intro very quickly, and then Cindy, I'm going to bounce it back to you. Um, In 2021, you were at the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Tell us about that. That's obviously something that uh, started up here the last few years, and uh, a lot of young ladies like yourself have been very, very excited to be a part of that. What was your experience like, and how did you find uh, the greens at Augusta. <laughs> that was seriously one of the best weeks of my life. That was, I mean, just the way they treated us was incredible. And we, it was, it was just the second we got there, it was just amazing. Like it, I, it does, it still doesn't feel real like <laughs> the entire week, but um, yeah, it was, it was so awesome. And just what they're doing for, for the women's game is so awesome in my opinion. And uh, just bring some, so much viewership to that week. And, and I look forward to watching it every week and, um, or every year, I mean, but, but, um, but yeah, the greens were no joke. I, I had a, an Augusta caddy. Um, unfortunately I missed the cut. So I just had the practice round at Augusta, but some of the, some of the reads to my caddy was giving me, I was like, are you sure? <laughs> that's, that's really far up there. Um, but I'm so glad I had him because it made the experience so much better, uh, just playing that round. And, and yeah, it was, it was incredible. I mean, it was, it was just one of the best weeks of my life and is it was awesome. So uh, if I, if I could do it again, I would do it in, in like a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Some advice. If you ever get an opportunity to play there again, listen to the Augusta caddies. They know what they're talking about. Trust me. <laughs> they know their stuff. Um, it might sound, it might look a little odd. You say, like you shake your head and I don't know about that, but um, now they know their stuff. So Cindy, go ahead. <laughs> what do you like best? playing on the tour? I think it is such a cool opportunity to compete every week and play all these amazing golf courses and go to these places that I never would go to if, you know, if I had a, a, you know, a desk job or something like it, it's, it's such a cool, it's just such a cool job <laughs> like I'm literally just traveling around and playing golf and and getting to see you know play golf with my friends during the week during the practice rounds and then play with my friends in the tournament rounds and I get to compete against them every week and and um and yeah I see these these places that I wouldn't go to normally I mean it golf took me to Augusta like I never thought I'd be able to play there and just yeah just the opportunities you get the memories you make and and it's just it's such an awesome it's a it's a really cool job <laughs> What is the most difficult part? <laughs> That's a great question too. Um, there's there's a lot of difficulties with professional golf. I mean, it's it's just uh, it it's golf. You know, I mean, it, it goes day to day. You know, you could be shooting 62 one day, and then the next day is it's you're struggling to hit the fairway, or you know, struggling to make a few putts, and it's such a roller coaster of emotions that it's, it's hard to not let that kind of get to you. Um, especially when you're playing for money, you know, it's, it's just, it's so 
easy to kind of get caught up in, oh, like I'm, I'm you know, kind of running low on money. I need, to, I need to make some cuts. And then it's like all of a sudden you start thinking about making cuts and that just doesn't work. So um, that's, you know, that's the struggle of, of playing professionally is, is trying not to think about, you know, you're, you know, oh, I need to, you know, make some money or, or, or I need to move up the leaderboard or I need to move up, you know, whatever. It's, it's, there's so many results that you start kind of getting obsessed with and start thinking about that it's, it's easy to get kind of sucked into that. And that's just not great for, for um, kind of just your, your whole mental, mental, you know, just thought process. So that's definitely, definitely kind of the hardest part to, to get through. How an 11-year-old little girl who wants to do what you do, what advice? I would say not to kind of keep, you know, drowning this out, but I, I think you just have to have fun with the game and truly enjoy playing it and, you know, enjoy the the tournaments and enjoy the practice and just kind of find joy in, in, in everything that, you're going to do because it's it like again like I said it's it's a very hard sport <laughs> and it can be very frustrating and um, you want to be able to find that the kind of that joy at the end of the day and that happiness with the game too it's, it's it, it can't be just a whole you know draining thing it's it's still a sport at the end of the day and you got to have fun and and be able to to enjoy it so that would be that would be my advice very good <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, are you passing it back to me? I am. Okay, good. I want to make sure. I didn't want to. I know I have a habit sometimes of, of walking over, so I wanted to be sure. So let me ask you, um, yeah, trust me, we've been doing this long enough together. Cindy can tell you, I'm sure, a few stories. Um, so, Kenzie, let me ask you. Let me, let me ask you. Uh, a little bit about your play. Do you have a go-to shot? So when things are not going uh, as well as expected, do you have a shot that you default to uh, just to keep it in play? And uh, also, do you have a favorite club in the bag? Yes. I um, actually had to bring it out a little bit yesterday. And I, I played a U.S. Open qualifier and had to <laughs> – my, my driver was going a little left on me, and that's, that's typically my miss kind of throughout the bag. And so – I had to bring out the little kind of low fade shot, which isn't, it's not my favorite to bring out, but it does, it does work (laughs) at least. But, uh, but yeah, my, like I said, my miss is kind of, I've been able to figure out that, okay, if I get a little nervous or a little tense, you know, I get a little quick and and that kind of leads that left miss. So um, I kind of have to force myself to hit kind of get down through the ball and hit a little fade and, and it, it, it's effective, but like I said, it's just not my not my like go-to shot. It's not my not my absolute favorite to to have to bring out. But, um, but yeah, I would say that that's my kind of my go-to. And then favorite club is probably my I would say my driver, definitely. <laughs> really? That's an, yeah. now why is that your favorite? I mean, you know, obviously you hit it well. I've, I've looked at your stats, um, but why is that your favorite club? I mean, it's just kind of fun just to just to get up there and see how far you can try to hit it, and and just and I uh, I love 
practice challenging my friends to long drive competitions, even though I don't hit it very far <laughs> compared to some girls out here. But um, the other day I, I played a practice round with my friend for the, for the U.S. Open qualifier and um, the last hole I was like, okay, we're going to play, we're going to do a, a long drive competition. And I actually, <laughs> the, I didn't realize the cart pass kind of came out because I, I hadn't played the course in forever on the left side a little bit and I hit the cart pass and I won. So I was like, okay, I mean, you just got to know the course, you know, you got to know, you got to know your advantages. <laughs> she wasn't too happy, but it's fine. If it works, it works, right? If it, if it comes into play and, and the cart pass, Hey, why not? I don't blame you one bit. You know, <laughs> exactly. Jack Nicholas had a plan when a hold particularly didn't fit his eye. Um, he, focused on just getting away with a par and or a bogey. Obviously, he didn't like the bogey, but if that was the best he was going to get, um, obviously, he shot. He tried to shoot par. Um, so, in other words, he was a, a little bit less aggressive. When a hole doesn't fit, or if that's even the case, um, some players, you know, left to right, right to left, does not fit their eye. Is there a, a particular hole pattern that doesn't fit your eye? And if so, what's your game plan? Yeah, I um, actually, I'm, I'm just I, the first thing that kind of came to my mind was a hole that I played yesterday at the U.S. Open Qualifier. It drew at Hills in Atlanta. I don't know if you've, if you've ever had a chance to be there, but um, or play there. But um, there was one hole that it was it was kind of downhill, bunkers on both sides of the fairway, and it's kind of a tight fairway. And and then, but the green, the, the drive wasn't too bad. It was just more so the green. It was kind of a um, it had a big kind of like hill in the middle and the pin was tucked way back left and there's water all along the left side. It's kind of, if you, if you barely miss it left or short, you're in the water pretty much. And that shot, that, that second shot is kind of one of those that I'm like, okay, it's a, like, I've been trying to really force myself to just be like, okay, fully commit here. Cause um, my, if I do have a miss with my irons, like kind of, like I said, it was a little left, but it more so um, thin with my irons. So it's like, if I get a little nervous, I get a little quick and hit it thin. And so that's kind of my first thought is like, okay, just get down on the ball, you know, just try to try to really get good contact on this. And, um, and yeah, it was for, for whatever reason, that one was kind of a, a tricky hole for me, um, just mentally, just trying to kind of approach it. Um, because you, know, you don't want to be like, oh, wow, this is a hard hole. You don't want to think that, you know, obviously. But you also have to kind of like, you know, what what he did is like you have to be like, okay, this is a good par hole. Like, or, you know, if, if you kind of get in trouble, you know, sometimes bogeys are good bogeys, you know, as, as weird as it sounds. But you just kind of have mm-hmm. to approach it that way but not be scared of it either, you know. Just just be like, okay, par's good here. Just get your par and get out of here and we can make birdie later. So, so yeah. That's yeah, and that- yeah, and that's a, that's exactly what Nicholas used to talk about uh, in his interviews when it when it was a situation like that. He was just happy um, to just get away with the par. Obviously, sometimes it it might be worse depending on the situation. Usually not, but um, but that was his sort of strategy as well. As he just said, you know what? Rather than trying to be cute on the hole and aggressive, he would um, he would play more conservative uh, and just you know hope that he would get away with no worse than a par. So I think that's a good strategy to have. Uh, and it's smart. Absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of um, amateurs don't understand about professional golfers is they seem to think that it's only um, about ball striking, and it's not. Um, you have to have mm-hmm. the mind game as well, and uh, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, 
you know, as we get ready to, to wrap up, what are your goals this season? Obviously, you want to get a win under your belt, but uh, do you have some uh, sort of intermediate and long-term goals for the season? Yeah, absolutely. I Definitely to get a win this season and then just to finish in the top 10 at the end of the year, um, get that LPGA card. So that's that's obviously the big goal. And then just, you know, little goals here and there. I, I got my first top 10 um, at our last event in Kansas and just kind of little little victories like that were, were great just to string three good rounds together and, and just – just know that, you know, it's there. Just got to make a few more birdies. So, um, so yeah, definitely get the first win and, and just, you know, just try to string together some, some good tournaments and, and see what happens at the end of the year when they tally up all our money. So, um, so yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a good strategy again, too, is just to focus on, okay, let's get some wins here. Uh, get your first win there on the Epson Tour, but not to focus really on the money so much. Um, meaning, you know, obviously you want to get into the top 10 because that's going to get you your card for uh, the LPGA. But um, at the same time, I think not focusing and dwelling on that and just going out having a good time and just deal with what, what comes its way um, throughout the season, I think is the best strategy to have. Um, Cindy, any final thoughts Absolutely. or questions that you have for Kenzie before we let you go? Great attitude. You're going to do great. Good luck. Stay having Thank fun. You. And lots of birdies, fairways, and greens. Perfect. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, Thank good you. luck. Uh, go, out, go out and win, and you'll come back and join us again to talk that about it. That sounds great. <laughs> all right, Kenzie. Good Thank luck this week so at the much. Iowa Championship. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Thank you all. Bye. Definitely great attitude, eh? Yeah. Very, you know, it, it's interesting when you listen to uh, a lot of the players. Obviously, everybody's different and, and so forth, but she just really has a, a very positive attitude. Um, you know, I looked at her, her stats earlier. I didn't get into a lot of it, but, um, uh, you know, she's uh, missed some cuts this season and uh, obviously has had some struggles along the way. Uh, finished in a top 10 last week, so that was, uh, that was certainly good. Um, and uh, is excited uh, heading to Orlando to the next uh, Epson event. Um, and had a good experience yesterday, even though she didn't make the cut in the Women's U.S. Open, um, but she had a good uh, good round uh, anyways, qualifying round, and uh, is excited uh, about playing. And I think that really is a testament to her, her uh, personality and her attitude as well. you agree? Yes, 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 absolutely. <laughs> All right, quick break, and then we're going to come back. You and I are going to dip our toes into the no BS zone, and we're going to talk about Uh, Some things to look for in a golf school. We'll be right back. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back. And Cindy and I are going to enter the no BS zone and talk about seven things to look for uh, when selecting a golf school. And Cindy, I think this is important because a lot of people – um, throughout the year, 
many people actually like to go to maybe a two, three-day golf school, some maybe even a little bit longer than that. Um, very similar, I think, a little bit to what you offer in boot camp. So we'll kind of add that in there as well. So if, uh, if you've got an opportunity to go to a good boot camp, boot camp excuse me, like uh, Cindy and Alan Miller offer, um, here's some things that uh, maybe you want to uh, consider. So, Cindy, I think one of the first one is obviously the curriculum. Um, you know, when we're looking for uh, a golf school, I think it should be considered. What do you, uh, and I know you're coming from a professional standpoint, but what do you think students should be looking for um, when they're making that selection as far as the curriculum? What is it that they should be really interested in? Well, I think it depends on what they want to improve, don't you? Yeah, I agree. Um, I when mean, you, if you want to you, improve your short game, you might go to L's short game school, mm-hmm. right? If you want right. to get better at your putting, you might go to a Brad Faxon putting school, right? Depends on yeah, what exactly. you want to improve. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you have to focus on what it is, uh, what aspect of the game um, and I think it's, it's good to make sure when you're, when you're doing your investigation to see what it is they're offering and does it fit what it is you're looking for. I think that's a great point because, you know, there's a lot of great schools that sort of do an overall general um, adaptation to the game, and that's fine if that's what you're looking for, if you're a beginner and you want to sort of have a well-rounded um, experience. But if you're somebody that maybe struggles with your short game uh, and, you know, does okay with your driver – um, and, and so forth, then, you know, you don't necessarily want to go to a school or a camp that offers sort of an all the way around. You want to go, as you pointed out, Cindy, something that sort of specializes um, in the curriculum that you're looking for. Um, and then also, too, I think, you know, if you're somebody that has a pretty decent game, but maybe you're, you know, you can hit a good ball, but you're not able to put everything together um, and, and, be successful out in the golf course, you want to have something that maybe offers also, in addition to the swing, swing mechanics, um, talks about course management, helps you put it all together, put the pieces together. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, again, I believe it's really important that, you know, not only do you learn how to swing, but then you've got to be able to execute when you're out there and learn how to implement what you learned, Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, once you get, uh, you know, an idea of what it is that you want to really work on, then when you're doing your research, and one of the wonderful things about going online is you can sort of pick and choose a few things. But then what I suggest is that you contact the school. Don't just go by what's on the website, but contact them, get some information, talk to some people there. Um, look at the reviews. Obviously, they're going to put their, their most shining reviews up first, but, you know, really do a deep dive because some of them can be, you know, pretty pricey, and, and, uh, but, again, it's well worth it if you, if you pick the right one. So you've got to make sure that it, it, the curriculum is going to suit what you want. The second one, too, obviously, which should be a no-brainer, but, again, is uh, the qualifications of your instructors. You know, uh, are they uh, certified instructors in whether it be PGA, LPGA, or some other professional organization, and do they have a, a good reputation among students and other golfers? Again, that sort of goes into uh, that. And that's important, right, Cindy? I mean, you, you don't want to be – I mean, there's a lot of, you know, so-called swing gurus that you see online all the time offering their advice, and then you look in the fine print, and the person's never played or never even, um, you know, given a, a legitimate golf lesson in their entire life, but they're giving advice to everybody out there on how to be a better player. Your thoughts? 
got to check out who you're going to and, and have they taught long enough? Do they know what they're doing? Um, I would, I would, there's some golf schools that promote the school and right. they aren't the people teaching the school. So I would investigate not only the people that are promoting the school, but the people that are teaching the school. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect so, sense. Because it, so you yeah, might go be ahead. paying $5,000 for a three-day school, but you might be getting an assistant pro that's teaching you. So you might be paying a lot of money for a school for all of their marketing and promotion, but you might be getting an assistant pro teaching you. Yeah. And that's key because, you know, it's kind of like uh, I equate it to going to the dentist. You know, you're, you're paying the dentist rates uh, and no, not, you know, I'm not uh, trying to knock any uh, dental hygienists out there. Cause I mean, they're, they're fantastic as well, but you're paying a much higher premium um, for the hygienist to come in and do basically nine tenths of the work, and you know he or she pops in, you know, meaning the dentist, um, for three seconds, but you're paying in exorbitant uh, rates, and obviously your, or your insurance is. But so yeah, that that's a great point. Is you want to see who is actually going to be giving uh, the instruction or who's going to be doing it? Um, you know, is it an assist- and again, not to criticize the assistants, but again, if you're paying a premium price to go to you know Bob Smith's uh, golf school. And Bob Smith isn't really involved as a name only. Um, you know that that's something to consider as well. Um, Want to move on to accommodations? This is something that can be uh, some offer depending if it's being, um, you know, at a resort or something that they usually have a, a good rate or, or something that they can offer you um, and can be part of the package. Or sometimes they give you the option to sort of choose your own lodging and so forth. So that's something to consider as well, right, Cindy? Yeah, exactly. And, and again, depending on where you're going, I would check out the lodging. Like, for example, we used to include the lodging um, for our guests at Orange County, and the rooms kind of went downhill, so I don't include the lodging anymore. You've got to get your own lodging, which, you know, so now the price of the school has gone down. But you need to take that into consideration. You might say, oh, well, that's less expensive. Well, now you've got to pay for your own hotel room. So just make sure that you know that you're, you have to pay for your own hotel room, if that makes sense. No, that's, that's perfect and, and totally understandable because you don't want to in, you know, have an all-inclusive package and have somebody come. And, yeah, the school part was great, but unfortunately the accommodations were, were subpar. Do you – and let me just ask you a quick question, just to sort of a follow-up um, – even though you guys are not including it, do you guys make suggestions based on your understanding of the area? Do you say, hey, there's a couple of options here for you to look at? Not necessarily that you're recommending them, but these are some places you might want to consider looking. Do you do that, or you just sort of let them look for themselves? No, we make recommendations. For yeah, sure. and that's, that's good, too. Yeah, that's good, too. I mean, you want them to come out and say, hey, you know, yes, you've got to book your own lodging, but here's two or three options in the area that yeah, we feel are are yeah. You know. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. Location, location, location. That's something too as well, depending on where you are in the country, maybe if you're up in the northeast or even the northwest and uh especially in what we would call off season, um 
as you put it, Cindy, you guys come down to Orlando several times a year to do your boot camps and that. A lot of great courses. I know you work out of Orange County National, which is a great facility, a lot of, uh, lot of great things there. Um, but there's a lot of courses. Those are things to consider as well. Um, what are your thoughts here when somebody's choosing a location? What, you know, there's a lot of different factors that can go into it. Obviously, you want to have something that's got you know, good conditions with their course and playing and so forth. Um, but some people might want to look at uh, different types of courses, um, depending on the package that they're getting, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, again, and do the play golf with them. So sometimes you learn in the morning and you don't, you play by yourself. Whereas we play golf, we're haunting you all day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but that's important to know, you know, Uh, sometimes how long is the instruction? Does is lunch included? Is breakfast included? You know what is the itinerary? How much instruction is there? Do they play golf with you? Are you on your own? Is golf even included? You know, do you just work on your game in the morning and then you're on your own in the afternoon? You know, you you have to investigate all this stuff. And maybe you don't want to play golf in the afternoon. Maybe you just want to go sightsee. You know, let's say you're a bunch of women. You just want to go lay by the pool and have fun. Find. Um, I, I think it's better to incorporate some of the things that you're working on. That's the perfect opportunity to go and incorporate some of the things that you've been working on uh, during earlier in the day. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, it really depends on what kind of package you're looking for. And the, the beauty of it is there are so many different, you know, really good golf schools out there that offer a wide range of options. So that's why I say you need to do your homework and you need to really look at it. Price is also something that needs to be considered. Um, you know, sometimes more is not always better. Um, and the opposite is true. And sometimes if it sounds too good uh, to be true, it may often might not be true. And it goes to some of the points you said, like who's giving the lessons, who's giving the instruction. Is it somebody that's really, uh, you know, quite qualified or is a subordinate coming in and, and sort of filling in most of the time, um, looking for discounts, things like that. Um, so price is, a, is an important factor as well, right? Well, I would think it would be. It would be to me, you know. So, you know, again, um, it, it, yeah, it would be to me. So it may not be to other people, but it would be to me. Well, and, and I think it, it, it goes to, and again, I think you have to obviously decide what your budget is, what you're willing to spend, and also what your level of commitment to the game is. If you're somebody that just plays once in a while and you're thinking, hey, this might be a fun thing to do, but you really don't plan on playing a lot of golf throughout the season, then a golf school may not be an option for you. Um, You know, we certainly want to encourage people to play more golf and to get out and improve, but there's no sense in going and spending $5,000 if you're only playing a couple times a year. Um, You know, if you're planning on increasing that, and you want to become a better player, um, and you, you know that you're going to invest that time, not just at the golf school, but afterwards getting out there and playing and, and practicing more and more and more, then that might be a great option for you. And, you know, $5,000 suddenly doesn't seem like very much or 3000 whatever the case is. Um, but you have to decide what it is. Um, and as you've always said, you know, here in the program is you have to ask uh, what your why is. Why are you playing? And I think once you understand that, then that helps everything else sort of fall into place. Um, obviously, another um, thing that to be considered is practice time. 
um, you know, when you're out there and you're, you know, Cindy, and you're working with the instructors and they're giving it, that's not really practice time. That's instruction time. They're teaching you certain techniques and certain things that you need to uh, understand. Um, but are they allowing you sufficient time to uh, not just warm up, but to go out and, and work on some of the things, not necessarily on the course, but on the practice facility as well? Um, is there anything specific that you and Alan like to do at the boot camps um, with respect to that? Give us maybe a general overview of kind of what the schedule is like. Um, well, we always have a morning meeting where we go over what we learned the day before. Uh, we make sure that everyone understands what we're going to do for the day. We go over what we did. We ask them what they did well, what they think they need to work on. Um, we make sure everyone's on the same page if they have any questions or concerns. And then we go through the itinerary. Everyone understands what the goals are for the day. Um, we go out, um, like the first day we do under 100 yards. Everyone has a notebook so that they write down everything they're going to learn or have learned. They understand it. We videotape everybody so that they, they clearly get what they're learning. We make sure they ask questions. If they need to take a break, they take a break. Um, yeah, they don't leave until they know that they know what they've, they're doing. We make sure of that. Yeah, and you guys do, I mean, at it, you know? Right, and you guys have been doing this for a long time. I mean, you, you do several of these boot camps a season, uh, both in the, the springtime and, and obviously uh, in the fall as well. And, um, but you're, you're exactly right. You have to, you know, it's part of the assessment process. I mean, you're assessing them as, you know, they're coming into the school, getting an idea of where they're at, and, you know, sort of meeting them where they are. Um, but then they also have to do their own self-assessment. Okay, what are they, you know, what are they there for, and how do they feel? They're, you know, are they understanding everything? And, and the, the best thing that you can ever, I'm saying this to the audience, the best thing that you can ever do if you go on to one of these schools um, is ask questions. If you're just sitting there like a bump on a log, just listening the whole time, you're not going to learn anything. You have to ask questions. Yeah. You have to be engaging, right? Do you not agree? Because, you know, and I mean, some people are very shy, and I get that. Uh, you know, write some questions down so you're not, you know, as nervous in that. Or, you know, worst case scenario, if you can't do it yourself, get one of your, you know, playing partners there to, to ask the question for if you're really that nervous. But you shouldn't be. If you're that nervous, then there's other issues that need to be dealt with. But um, I, I think it's important that you ask questions because how many times Cindy over the years, you know, both you and Alan, not just at the boot camps, but teaching where somebody, you know, you've, you've given them instruction and they sort of nod their head like they understand, but then you find out afterwards that they really didn't get it or fully understand, but never asked you any questions. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I don't <laughs> allow that. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I, I, I know you don't. Yeah, well, I know because you don't. it's happened, right? Yeah. And and it's like you guys, you gotta absolutely know that you know that you know that you know. Right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. and 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 if you're confused by something and again, every instructor is teaching you based on their experience as well. And obviously certain industry uh standards and so forth too that are coming into play. It's not just a matter of you understanding um, what it is that you're being taught. But if you have questions 
and I, and when I say challenge, I don't mean it to say, well, I don't agree with that. I don't mean it that way. But if you're confused and don't understand why um, something happens this way or something happens that way, that's the time to ask questions. Um, you know, it's just like Kenzie was talking about earlier on the program that, um, you know, listening to the Augusta uh, caddy, that he said, well, you know, you need to hit it over here. And she said, well, isn't that a little too far? You know, she didn't understand what he was telling her at the time. And obviously it, it, you know, didn't bear well for her overall. She had a great experience. Don't get me wrong. But that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Sometimes somebody might be said to you that you don't fully understand and it doesn't, you know, process in your brain. So you need to investigate that and ask questions, say, okay, I don't understand why, you know, it just doesn't pair out. And, and I think that's a good thing to do without being, you know, overtly aggressive about it. But I think that's important too. No, if you don't understand, right? Sure, that understand what we're doing because I want the best result for you, and that's why you're here. Right. We want you to have fun right. and learn and, and improve. That's why you paid all all this all this money, you know, to make sure that you get better. And that's with it. And I think just, um, you know, obviously we want to investigate the overall, uh, the next one, obviously we're going to talk very briefly about because we've sort of covered it anyways, but the overall reputation, when you're choosing a golf school, make sure to research the school's overall reputation, re, you know, read online reviews, talk to other golfers, see what they think, you know, um, uh, about it and that get their, you know, uh, obviously proof is in the pudding, but, uh, you know, look into the instructors, find out, you know, how long they've been around, what they've been doing, that sort of thing. Um, but I think also, too, I think it's it's good to, um, you know, be willing to sort of take that plunge. I mean, you have to do your homework, I agree, but sometimes you have to just jump in with your with, with both feet. But you have to go with a goal in mind. I think that's that's something, too. It's not just a matter of becoming a better player. That's first and foremost. But I think you have to have some realistic goals um, and realistic expectations when you go. Because, I mean, you're not going to come out and, you know, come in at a 25 handicap and come out playing on the LPGA. That's just not going to happen, not in, not in two days, three days. And if it does, sign me up, you know. <laughs> I'd love to do that. But you know what I'm getting at? You, you have to go in with some goals, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cindy, I know that you guys do a, a sort of an initial assessment with people. I mean, I know you've had some, repeat, you know, many repeat customers over the years that like to come back each season. That, But initially when you're, uh, you know, getting people involved, do you do kind of an assessment to kind of see where they're at and talk to them about, okay, what's your goals? What is it, What are you looking to get out of this experience? Yeah, we send them a survey. And, you know, what do you shoot? Why are you coming? Have you been to a school before? Do you take golf lessons? You know. Where are you now? Where do you want to go? We do let anybody come, you know, and we mm-hmm. we have, you know, good players and intermediate players. Total beginners don't typically come because, you know, they typically are too afraid to come. Right. And probably, you know, they would be exhausted. But. And we have people we we really have a lot of people that come back a lot. I have a woman here was new. Her husband's a player, right? A real mm-hmm. player that goes a lot. And um, she was addicted all year. And she just did opening Ladies' Day at the country club. And she texted me. She goes, 
They used my drive eight out of nine holes. I've got eight women that want to go to boot camp in January. Give me the dates. <laughs> wow. I'm like, good girl. Yeah, she's awesome. You know, and, and, and nothing, I don't care what it is, nothing, you can, you know, talk all you want, but nothing beats that type of an endorsement that somebody that has been, that has seen results in their own game and can show it um, to others. Nothing beats that. Well, I mean, you know, you're out there, right? Said, well, I was afraid. And the year before there was a woman who was afraid who, who came with other women that were afraid. And that woman two years ago that was afraid grabbed this woman by the hand and took her out and played nine holes. And now this woman brought another woman last night who was afraid. And I said to the woman that was two years ago, I said, do you want to know what you just did? You started a train. She almost mm-hmm. started crying. That's what this is all about. You're the woman right. at the fancy club that was brand new who reached out to the other woman that was afraid. Now she's reaching out to the other woman that's afraid at the fancy country club where everybody thinks they're really, really cool, and you were nice enough to reach out, and now you've started this train. Good for you. I'm proud of you. And that's what it's about. Yeah, I, yeah it's it's kind of almost like a pay it forward in a sense. Absolutely. Um, or play it forward. It's, you know, women can and, all be crap. Yeah. And, and I think what I would recommend for beginning golfers that are not quite ready to do this, this is when you want to go and start with some lessons first. You know, reach out to somebody like Cindy and, and obviously your husband, Alan, and, you know, take some lessons, kind of get a feel for what it is, get some of the right patterns down first, and kind of work your way up to it. I mean, you don't want to just, as you point out, you're not, you know, if you've never played before, it's a very overwhelming, very daunting experience. So you don't want to necessarily just jump into, you know, a golf school or a boot camp or what have you, um, unless it's specifically designed for beginning golfers, which, you know, most of them are not. You, most of them want you to have a little bit of an understanding of the game because it can be overwhelming. So I, I would recommend, you know, go out and book some lessons, you know, book three to five lessons with an instructor, you know, do your research, find somebody you're comfortable with, and then take some lessons, work with them a little bit, get a general understanding of the game, you know, play a little bit, that sort of thing. And then when you feel comfortable and you want to sort of elevate your game a little bit, then you start to look into things like this. And most instructors can usually point you in the right. If they don't offer it themselves, um, but which a lot of them do, you know, they certainly uh, can point you, uh, again, depending on what your needs are, can point you to some, some options to consider. So um, very quickly, just to recap, seven things to look for in a golf school. Curriculum, obviously, being important, you need to decide what it is you want to do. Check out the instructors, number two. Make sure that they're qualified and Find out who's actually going to be doing the teaching, uh, accommodations, whether they're offered or not. Make sure that there is uh, something that uh, is going to be right for you. Location, decide what type of golf you want to play. You know, if you're, again, if you're up in a different part of the, the, uh, the U.S. or what have you, uh, you might want to look at coming down to sunny Florida and, and playing at some of the golf uh, courses here. Uh, price, obviously, is important. Find out what uh, – make sure you ha- it's within your budget. And uh, find out what's included, uh, meals, that sort of thing. Make sure – and, uh, you know, practice time, is that being offered? That's another one to consider as well. And also I would include in with the practice time, are you being allowed some time to do some things on your own? So is there a little bit, a few hours a day that you can go out and kind of explore the area, that sort of thing? I think that's important as well as, as practicing and or playing. 
um, and overall reputation of the school. Do your homework. Make sure you investigate. Talk to people that have been there before. Find out what their experience has. And it's not always going to be the same for everybody, but it gives you a general idea if this is what you want to do. So concluding that uh, it can be a daunting task, but I think if you keep the seven factors we talked about in mind, uh, definitely going to find a school that's right for you. And I'm going to allow you to give, a, as I call it, a shameless plug, because, Cindy, I think you and Alan do a great job. So uh, I don't know what you've got coming up available for your boot camps, but if somebody's interested in a future boot camp, let them know the best way they can reach out to you. Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com. That's the best way. Just Doesn't... reach out, Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com. I don't think it gets any easier than that. And uh, I can I can assure you, I mean, we've been doing this show now 10 seasons. I know you still doubt that, but we have. Um, and every year you talk about these boot camps. So, and I know you've been doing them before that, but um, you're obviously doing something right because they keep coming back every year and, and they're excited to come back. And uh, it's not just adults, but you do junior boot camps as well, which is equally exciting because that gets the younger generation excited and interested. And not all of them are necessarily uh, looking to play, um, you know, on the LPGA or, or PGA Tour. They just want to go out and have some fun. So it's really something for all ages. You and Alan do a great job and, uh, um, you know, down at Orange County every season. So um, Cindy at CindyMineralGolf.com is the best way to reach out to her and get that information. Cindy, great show today. I enjoyed that. Yes, me too. Thank you, dear. Wait, yeah. Um, and uh, speaking of boot camps, uh, when's the next one? Probably November. I don't have it on the schedule yet. So there's still some openings left in the fall. If so, how many are you doing in the fall? Do you think? This one. This one. Okay. Uh, hey, one's better than none. All right. Yep. Want to thank everybody for joining us. Yep. <laughs> we want to thank everybody for joining us this morning. And again, a special thanks to Kenzie Wright from the LPGA Epson Tour. Uh, now uh, getting out ready to play uh, this week at the Iowa Championship in Orlando. Uh, so good luck to her. Thank you for joining us this morning. And hopefully we give you some insight uh, to what to look for uh, when you're selecting your next golf school. So on behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Rico. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the Women of Golf this morning, and we will see you next week right back here. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. <laughs>